Get our Bibles tonight and be turning to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 6. Good to see you tonight. There's much in the book of Revelation and other books of the Bible that complement the end times realities like the book of Daniel and different ones. But there's much that we can clearly understand. There's some things that we can only imagine, guess. It's amazing if you read what people have written in past generations, how many things that they were sure they meant because it was something going on in their time frame that came and got, went and it still wasn't it. So, so some symbolism there and things that we cannot know for certain. But there's enough we can know for certain to make us, for one thing, glad that when much of this is taking place, we're not here on this earth. And uh, this is a, a series of lessons, and we're not going to have a lot of them. And I would tell you how many in the series if I knew. But that's, an, that's another mystery. It's like the book of Revelation. It's a mystery. And we'll find out as we go along. But we're going to begin reading in Revelation chapter 6. And if you're able to stand, please stand with us for the reading of God's Word. Uh, Wednesday evening, for those of you who are not with us, may not have been here, we looked at what we call the rise of the Antichrist. In Revelation 6, uh, Jesus begins one by one to open the seals that in Revelation 5 we see that he alone has the, the power, the ability to open these seals, the Lamb. And when he opened the first seal in Revelation 6, uh, 1 and 2, he saw this white horse and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown. And I believe that white horse one on the white horse was the Antichrist who has the power to conquer. He'll gain worldwide control. This was the first step, the first seal. He's gaining influence through his deception and through diplomacy. He'll work out a peace deal for the land there in Israel. And so Jesus is going to continue to open these seals up, and we're going to look at them beginning in the second seal, which we see in verse 3. If you'd look there with me. It says, and when he had opened the second seal. I heard the second beast say, come and see. John, of course, the person that's giving us this, writing this down for us. And verse 4 says, and there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another and there was given unto him a great sword. Let's pray as we start there. Father, thank you for your word tonight. And we ask again, Lord, that as we study it, that, Lord, you'd help us to see things, help us to learn, help us to appreciate the grace of God. Help us to um, acknowledge that you're just in judging rebellion and sin and blasphemy. And I pray that you'd use it to also make us compassionate 
toward those that are living around us that are without Christ, without the truth, that we might do our part while we can to keep people from going through what we read about tonight. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the second seal is a white horse. There's a white horse and, I mean, excuse me, a red horse. And the power is given to him, it says in verse 4, to take peace from the earth. Which makes me think that even though during the first seal, um, the rider on the white horse is going forth to conquer, conquering and to conquer, that there was a lot of peace on the earth. And I believe there will be during that first time because, uh, because that's what's going to attract people to the Antichrist is the promise of peace. Promise of peace in the Middle East and uh, peace in the world. But this second horse has the power to take peace from the earth. Not just take peace from Israel. Not just take peace from the United States, but take peace from the earth, the Bible says, and that they should, verse 4, kill one another, and he had a great sword. Now, this coincides with what Jesus said uh, in Matthew chapter 24 when he talked about, when he answered the question about what it's going to be like, the signs of his coming and the end of the world, and he said there'll be what? Wars and rumors of wars. So this introduces this worldwide conflict. And we can only speculate about the degree of this warfare. But knowing the world that we live in today, if it's worldwide war, it could be world wars, it could be nuclear warfare, it, could, it would certainly be total chaos. That's what the world... And as you look at this, we're getting a glimpse. Even though we don't know the particulars, we're getting a glimpse of what the world is going to be like for those who still inhabit this planet. Then in verse, I'm going to move through these tonight, <clears throat> verse 5, it says, And when he'd opened the third seal, so one after another, these seals are open. We don't know how much time transpires. It's not necessary that we know that. But when he opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see to John. And, and John says, I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand, the one on the, on the uh, black horse. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So the first seal revealed really peace. The second seal was a time of great worldwide conflict. And that doesn't go away. It continues. But the third seal, the black horse, had to do with economic hardship. Hyperinflation. It says there in our text in verse 6, a measure of wheat for a penny. A measure would be just under a quart. So a quart, a quart, just under a quart, and of course the wheat is used for bread, so it'd make you about a loaf of bread. A, a measure of wheat would be about a loaf of bread, and you say, well, that's a, big, that's a good deal. For a penny? When's the last time you saw a loaf of bread for a penny, right? Um, but keep in mind, we've, we see this periodically, 
that we know what a penny was worth because in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, someone hired somebody to work all day in the field for a penny. So a penny is the equivalent of a day's wages. So imagine grocery shoppers, if, if times were so hard that you had to pay a day's wages for a loaf of bread, that's exactly what we're talking about. So there's great hunger, great economic pain. Keep in mind, Jesus, going back to that Matthew 24 text, he said there'll be famines, people will be starving. How can you afford to eat? So you got worldwide war going on, and you've got hyperinflation going on. And that brings us to verse 7. It says, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed after him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger sword talking about the conflict of this revealed in the second seal and hunger which what we saw in the third the third seal revealed power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth this pale horse, death. A fourth of the earth. Imagine that. A quarter of the earth would die. Now you try to calculate that in your mind. What it would be like if one out of every four people, either through hunger or through sword or through death, and that word death could talk about sickness or pestilence or disease, and beasts, again, I'll keep referring to Matthew 24, how when Jesus responded, he said there would, be, there would be wars and rumors of wars, there'd be famines, and he said there would be pestilences, real pestilences, worldwide pestilences. Now, if you were to take the population of the world today, about 7 billion people, and you take a fourth of that, you're talking about one and three quarter billion people. That would be the equivalent of the entire population of the United States times five would be killed. You can get a picture of what's happening in the world, how devastating, how horrible. And this is the early days of the tribulation. And then we find in verse 9, the fifth seal. And I, when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. When John saw this fifth seal removed, his attention goes from earth back to heaven where he sees these Souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they, verse 10 says they're, they're praying. These, these eternal souls in heaven, they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, 
Dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? They're crying out to God, when are you going to finally give these wicked people on earth what, what they're due? You think, man, why would they cry that way? Because these people, have all of these people are martyrs. So the fifth seal John saw were these, the souls of these martyrs in heaven. Slain, it says in verse 9, for the word of God and their testimony. And they're crying out for justice. Verse 11 says, white robes were given to every one of them. And it was said unto them, notice this, that they should rest yet for a little season. Just be patient and rest. Why should they rest? Until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Just rest because there's other people that are going to come behind you that will also be killed. These are, these are people that I believe were saved or being saved during the tribulation. And they're, but, they're, but they're not being welcomed as saved people. The entire, much of, the, most of the world, the majority of the world hates God, hates Jesus, hates the Bible, hates the people of God. And, you know, it's, it's, it's morbid to think about, but further over in the book of Revelation, it tells us that they weren't just being killed, they were being beheaded um, for their faith. So people say, well, I'll just take my chances during the, revelation, or during the time of the revelation to persecute. You're not really thinking about what you're saying because it's not going to be a cakewalk. And then in verse 12, we come to the sixth seal. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell upon the earth, or fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken by of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Things, things are just getting worse and worse, aren't they? These... Things falling out of the sky. He says there were stars falling to the earth. Heaven is just, mountains and islands are moving from their places. And, and notice how, how people are looking at it, verse 15. You wonder, what, what are these people thinking when all this is happening? I mean, you've got, you got the wars now. We can't even, we're afraid because there's war everywhere. and We're starving to death and there's sickness and famine. And one out of every four people we know are dead What's, what are they thinking? What are they thinking now when, it's, when, it, when the sun is black as, as, as sackcloth and the moon is red? And it says here in verse 15, The kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man, those that are slaves, those that are free, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us. And notice this, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? These are not God-fearing people. These are people who don't respect God or respect truth. They're, 
these are, these are kings and leaders and wealthy men, prestigious people, slaves and slave owners, all people. And they said, save us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. I find it very interesting that these people know who's responsible for these catastrophes. They know it's God. They know God is judging. They're the ones that said in verse 17, the great day of his wrath is come. What a time. That's the, that's the sixth seal of the seven seals. And if you just glance over, and mine is just across the page to chapter 8 and verse 1, we have the seventh seal. So chapter 7 in our Bible goes between the sixth seal and the seventh seal. A lot of people believe, I mean, by the way, there, everything in the book of Revelation, it's wonderful to read and think about, but it's not all chronologically clear. And people think this is sort of a, a parenthetical a chapter that's put in here to give us another important event that's taking place during this time. And we're, gonna, we're just going to look at that in chapter 7 and verse 1. He says, After these things, John said, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth. Winds that come from the north to the south to the east to the west. Four winds of the earth till the, that the wind should not blow on the earth nor on the sea nor on any tree. We want some quiet. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. So these four angels that were instructed not to let the wind blow, those same four angels were to, it was given to them to hurt the earth and the sea. So they're going to bring great destruction but this other angel said, put a pause on that. We're going, to just, we're going to pause for a moment in these persecutions until the seal of the living God can be applied. Verse 3, saying, this is what he said, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And this will be the sealing of the 144,000. It says there in verse 4, And I heard the number of them that were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. These, these 140,000 are mentioned again, I think in the 14th chapter. But these were Israelites. They were Jewish people. They were Jewish believers. It says, not here, but it says in the other place they're mentioned that they were redeemed as we heard this morning in Sunday school. They were redeemed. So these are people from 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, 12 times 12, 144,000, and they're, being, they're going to be sealed to be protected, and God's going to keep them. And in verses 5 down through verse 8, we have each of the tribes and the 12,000 from each of the tribes. And then John says this in verse 9. Just follow along if you would please in verse 9 of chapter 7. After this, John says, I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. I believe this is, these are different people than the four and twenty elders in chapter four that were falling down before the 
Lord and praising Him. I believe these, these people here talked about in verse 9 are people that were saved during the tribulation time. John saw them. Matter of fact, let's just read on. And these people, verse 10, John said, These people, so many you could not count, cried with a loud voice, saying, when I read things like that in the Bible, I think about people like me that are just mild and quiet and never hardly raise your voice. These people with a loud voice, people that are people that are introverted, people that are shy, people that are not afraid to speak up, they're gonna, they'll, they'll lose that in heaven. You're going to lose that in heaven. You say, well, I just, that's just me. It won't be you up there. They crowd with a loud voice. Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels round about the throne, stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered saying unto me I have that word me circled that's John one of the elders said to John what are these tell us John who are these that are arrayed in white robes and whence came there where did these people come from so we knew it wasn't the people that were already there these are new people that John sees up there where did, the, where did these people come from John says in verse 14 and I said unto him sir thou knowest I don't know, but you know. And this is what he said in verse 14. These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, this explains, this explains their behavior. This explains why they're so, so full of praise and thanksgiving. Therefore, are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. By the way, the first time a temple in heaven is mentioned. I have that noted in my Bible. In his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them, and they shall hunger no more. They've been in a world of hunger. But they'll hunger no more. Neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That brings us to chapter 8 and verse 1. Now, by the way, just in case you're concerned, I'm not going to read every verse of every chapter of the book of Revelation tonight. <laughs> I'm not going to read it all, period. But, I, but this, I just really want to make note of these seals and these trumpets because the seventh seal in chapter 8 and verse 1 says, And when he had opened the seventh seal... There was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Imagine that. You ever, know, you ever been around anybody that just cannot stand quiet? They just have to talk. I mean, the quietness makes them nervous. They got to say something. They won't be talking here. I'm what made me think, who's not going to be in heaven? Maybe preschoolers, No. You see, preschoolers going to be quiet for a half hour. It's what it says right there. It's in the Bible, right? Maybe men. Men like to talk all the time. 
maybe. Either way, there's silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. John says, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So we've gone through the seven seals, and now we're going into the seven trumpets. But before that, before we get into the first of the trumpets, John said there was another angel in verse 3 that stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with, with the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. The angel took the censer, a censer being that thing that where they put incense in, hold over the fire and like a little metal or lumen thing and it would get hot and the incense would go up. The angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake and that brings us to this verse 6. So John saw this um, this the prayer the prayers of saints the prayers it says of all the saints the prayers of all saints upon that golden altar uh, it's, and by the way, this is not the only time we see that in the book of Revelation. It's also mentioned in chapter 5. It's just worth mentioning that God, you know, God keeps, God keeps things. He keeps our tears in a bottle, the Bible says. And he has our prayers. And they come up like a fragrance before God. Your prayers matter. Your prayers are important. Our prayers matter. And John saw this and recorded it for us. But then verse 6, he has the seven angels which had the trumpets. And they're preparing themselves to sound. And we have one after another after another. First angel sounded in verse 7, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. First trumpet, a third part, global warming on steroids. This is real global warming. As soon as that's taken place, verse 8 says, the second angel sounded, and it were, as it were, it was like, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire. It's like this big mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. It doesn't tell us if it was a mountain. It was like a mountain. Perhaps it was an asteroid or something. It was cast into the sea. And a third part of the sea became blood. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And a third part of the ships were destroyed. You know, you and I read this and we think, man, how could that happen? I don't know how it's all going to happen, but I know it's all going to happen. And it's going to happen just exactly as it's recorded it's going to happen. And then soon after that, or right after that, a third angel sounded in verse 10, sounded his trumpet. And it says, there fell a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp, like a falling star with this, like a comet coming to the earth. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers. Now, 
the third part of the salt water, the oceans, the seas have been affected. Now, fresh water. Third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters in verse 10. And the name of the stars called wormwood. Wormwood means bitter, bitterness. And the third part of the waters became wormwood. They were contaminated. They were, they were toxic. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. No drinking water, no food, no drinking water. Fearing for your lives, pestilence, disease. People are dying all around you. People are dying. Verse 12 says, And a fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise, which almost sounds like, a, it was, it's like daylight was shortened, it's, because it says in verse 12, so the third part of them was darkened. So it's almost like the days have actually changed. The calendar's changed. What's normal has all been changed, and it has all been changed. Verse 13 says, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, hearing this, John said, I heard this angel speaking, flying through heaven, speaking, Woe, 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 three woes to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which were yet to sound. The things that are just coming. He's just announcing the woes about what's about to happen. You'd think, man, could it get any worse? And the answer to that, of course, is yes. Let's just continue to read a little bit further. It's not a typical sermon, but I just want to cover these seals and these trumpets and what's happening. Verse 1 of chapter 9 says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him, so the star, the star is a person. To him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And it doesn't tell us who this is, who this entity is, who this star is. But he fell from heaven and he's given a key to the bottomless pit. Now, let's just, we'll come, we're going to read this in a moment, but just quickly look at verse 11 of that same chapter. And it says, and they had a king over them. And we'll talk about who them are in a moment. They had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, and in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon, which means destroyer. I believe I was talking about Satan. So there is an angel of the bottomless pit, it says in verse 11. And I tend to believe that that angel of the bottomless pit is the star that fell from heaven in verse 1, who has the key to the bottomless pit. And I believe that's Lucifer. That Jesus said, I saw him fall from heaven as a star. Remember when Jesus said that? So anyway, this fifth angel in verse 1 sounded the trumpet sounded verse 2 says and he opened the bottomless pit aren't you glad that the key to the bottomless pit is not open today thank god for that because when you see what kind of creatures comes out of there you'll be glad that the key wasn't given to him 
while we were here. And he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air was darkened by reason of the smoke of that of the pit. John's watching this. This guy has a key, whoever it is, has a key to the bottomless pit. He opens it up and the smoke just belches out of that and covers the earth, really. In verse 3, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Now it says locusts because they acted like locusts and kind of looked like locusts, but these were cre- demonic creatures that came out of this bottomless pit. By the way, that bottomless pits where lost people are going to be sent to one of these days, made for the devil and his angel. There came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Here's a little survey question. How many of you have ever been stung by a scorpion? Let me see your hands. My wife's hands up. I've been stung more than once by them. No fun. These things have, they're like scorpions. They, they sting you and they have this venom, I guess you would say. They had, they had they, the scorpions of the earth have power. Verse 4, and it was commanded them. Notice what, notice these, these locusts, these demonic creatures that had power like scorpions. They had limitations. Verse 4, it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. That's what locusts normally eat, right? That's like grasshoppers, locusts. They shouldn't hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree. The only thing they could hurt, last part of verse 4, only those men which have not the seal of God in their forehead. Now those 144,000 are the ones that have the seal. So they're off limits. The scorpion can't get them. These beasts cannot get them. These creatures cannot get them. Only, and no, and no greenery, no foliage. Only those lost people. Look, five, verse 5 says, And to them it was given that they should not kill them. You can, you can torment them, but you cannot kill them. But that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was the torment of a scorpion. When he striketh a man... And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts, now this is not like any grasshopper you've ever seen. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold and their faces were as the faces of men and their hair as the hair of a woman, of women and their teeth Whereas the teeth of lions, it's, it's quite a strain on your imagination, isn't it, to think about what these things look like. If you have trouble sleeping tonight, <laughs> call Brother Bland. He'll be up waiting on your call. <laughs> and they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, as the iron of the wings was the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and they were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, we read this earlier, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. 
So the good news, verse 12, is that one woe is past, but there are two more woes hereafter. Not a pleasant future, is it? This is all going to happen after we leave planet Earth. And thank God it'll be after we leave. Verse 13 says, we're almost done for the night. Verse 13 says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, 200 million. And I saw, and I, thus I saw in verse 17 the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and jacinth and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. For by these three, by these three, by the fire, the smoke, the brimstone, by these three was the third part of men killed by the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone which issued out of their mouths for their power is in their mouth and their tails for their tails were likened to serpents and had heads and with them they do hurt. It's some, some people have said, and I've wondered before if this 200 million could actually be men, but when you read have their characteristics, it could not be men. I, I think it's just more demonic creatures, 200 million of them sent to kill. And the Bible says twice here that, verse 18, for by these three was the third part of men killed. Already a fourth of the population has been killed. But now one-third of what's left will be killed by these 200 million creatures. That's, that's, that's like now a third of the population by the end of this sixth angel trumpet, the third trumpet, a third of the population will be killed. And it says men, but it's... I checked, ladies, just to make sure it's the word anthropos that's translated men, which means men and women. So it's not going to be a pretty sight. What's amazing is the reading from the last two verses, and let's read that and that'll wrap this up. And the rest of the men which were not killed, there were some that were survive. All this happened thus far. The rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. They did not repent of their idol worshiping. Verse 21, neither repented they of their murders nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. That's one of the amazing passages to me in the book of Revelation, that these survivors who know that all of this wrath and judgment is coming from God, they know that God 
is sending this, they still refuse to repent. Isn't that an amazing thing to you? It's incredible. They're, they, they're not going to repent of their sin. They're going to continue to worship devils. They're going to continue in their idolatry. They're going to continue in their fornication. They're going to continue in their thievery. It, this to me is so relevant when you think of people who have this really ludicrous idea well, I'm just going to take my chances in the tribulation and I'll get right. I'll believe. I'll, when I have that chance, that last chance, you're, no, you're going to be deceived like everybody else is deceived. That's the reality. That's truth. You're, if you think for a moment that somehow you're just going to be able to believe, there are people believing, but the majority of people are just, are just stuck in their stubbornness, in their willfulness, in their blasphemous ideas. And, and I look at that and I think, why? Why is this, how is this possible that people will see all these examples of what God is doing and still not repent? But then I ask myself this question. How is it that people that I know that are not right with God, probably not saved, have every opportunity, they hear the gospel, they hear it over and over, they hear people care about them and pray for them. And some people in this room, I have prayed for many, many times because I have serious concerns about your soul. I've never set, seen one evidence of conversion in your life. And yet you refuse to repent, refuse to get right with God, refuse to humble yourself. I tell you, pride's a horrible thing, isn't it? It's a horrible thing. These prideful, blasphemous haters of God are going to face the wrath of Almighty God. I just rejoice in His grace tonight. I rejoice in His mercy tonight. And life may seem difficult at times, and it does seem difficult at times, but I'm telling you, we're on the winning side. And I thank God for that. And God is good. Amen? God is good. So if you're here tonight and you're saved, thank God for it. Rejoice. Rejoice that our future is bright. Amen. We'll be in that crowd around the throne praising God and rejoicing right? That's us. That's the crowd I want to be with. And I say this every time we deal with this subject. This should cause us to rejoice that our sins are forgiven, that heaven's our home. But it also should cause us to think seriously about our responsibility to warn others, knowing what the future holds. You say, well, you know, we don't know that that's going to happen right away. We don't know that it's not going to happen right away. You don't know that. I don't know that. Right? Amen. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. A little bit different way of approaching the sermon tonight. And I, 
Trust you've been able to follow along. I just felt like we needed to cover some of this stuff. Our heads are bowed tonight, and please don't waste this time daydreaming or thinking about something else. Think about what we've read about. Think about what we've talked about tonight. Think about your own soul. Are you satisfied? Are you certain tonight that you're saved? Do you know that heaven will be your home one day? Do you know that you've been born again? Is Christ a part of your life? Have you turned from your sin and trusted Christ and Him only for salvation? If not tonight, the invitation is for you to come to Jesus Christ, to come humbly, to come sincerely, to come to Jesus. We're here to help you. I'll be standing here at the front. If you're tonight and you're saved, you respond to God's truth how you feel like God would have you to respond to it. Father, we truly thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the parts of the Bible that are clear and we understand them. We thank you for the parts that we're not really 100% sure about. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the grace of God. We thank you for your mercy. We don't deserve it. But God, you're good and you're merciful. God, I pray tonight for people in this room that are not saved. That, Lord, you deal with their hearts in a mighty, clear way. I pray tonight for those of us who know you. Help us, Lord, to live like eternity matters. While our heads are bowed.